Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Fiber Variety Hour. In this installment, we spoke with Laverne Benton of Busy Peach. Laverne shared with us why she chose to exclusively dye cellulose yarns, the importance of community, and we even geeked out about organization and problem solving. I'm going to let Kat bring us in today. Okay. I won't take a drink of water then. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, so this is Fiber Variety Hour and we have Laverne from Busy Peach and we're so happy to have you here with us. We've been wanting to have you on for a long time and finally connected. That's awesome. I'm excited to be here. This is, this is excellent. <laughs> so I, I met you first almost two years ago in Atlanta at um the craftivist shop and i you were just so much fun you were welcoming i didn't know anybody there at the shop and you were just like hey you know yeah come sit next to me and we were all sitting around the table there and it was so cool to meet people and just feel like i was um i don't know i could just pull out my knitting and hang out and I didn't didn't even know I didn't have any idea that you had your beautiful knitting journals at the time. And I think it was was that before you started um, selling the yarn. Yes, it sure was. I was new onto the fiber scene and had just brought out my journals uh, that fall and earlier that year and had not yet started dying. So yeah, wow, it was like the cusp. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, and I just learning, um, looking at the different journals and seeing the different, like, you no, know, your what was a uh, project journals and, mm-hmm. um, well, I wanted them all, but I also know <laughs> you can have them all. <laughs> I, I know that's the best part. That's the best part is that I'm going to have them all eventually. Yes, um, I can collect them. <laughs> and you had just, I think you had just come back from Stitches West. Um, actually, no, it was Vogue. It was my first Vogue. Right, it was Vogue. My bad. First Vogue live ever. I had didn't, a couple of months before that, I had never heard of it. (laughs) What did you think of that going from zero to 60? Oh, it was zero to a hundred and it was awesome. Uh, (laughs) I was a guest of uh, Diane Ivy from Lady Die Yarns. Uh, She shared some booth space with myself and, uh, well, some dyers and um, a pen maker. And so I was overwhelmed. I had, I had no idea all of this was going on. And um, it was my second ever yarn event, uh, but my first Vogue. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> now I'm curious what the first event was since you the went first, to such a big thing. <laughs> right. So the first was Stitches United. And that's where I really got exposure. When I, I moved to Atlanta from Richmond, Virginia, and I figured the best way to get to meet people was through a shared, you know, hobby. And I was crocheting. And through digging in Facebook groups, I found Stitches United. And I'm like, well, what is this? It's a yarn convention? What in the world? <laughs> and so I was like, I'm, I'm in. Why not? It was around the corner from me uh, at the Cobb Galleria. And I went and had my whole world blown apart. I was like, oh, my goodness. What is all of this? So that's where it started. Like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for, for uh, fiber artists. I was on FaceTime with my oldest daughter 
And I told her, I said, babe, I got to call you back because there's a lot going on here. I'll call you back later. <laughs> I got to focus. Way too <laughs> overwhelming to be on the phone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what um, started the idea for your journals? How did that morph there? Yeah, one of my fiber friends um, was a young lady that I work with uh, in my corporate job. And uh, when I moved here to Atlanta, we found that we had crocheting in, in uh, common. And she gifted me with a journal um, that had a beautiful blonde woman on the front cover. However, she just didn't look like me. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I, I went looking because I had never seen a yarn journal. And I said, well, I wonder if there are different cover options, you know, just someone that, re that reflects me, my skin tone, you know, et cetera. And uh, I just didn't see it. And I was participating in a creative sprint, uh, which is an activity. Well, it's a month long challenge that you get a prompt every day to create something. And so I, I don't remember the exact prompt. I could probably look it up, but there was something that day that the prompt made me think about the journal. And I was like, you know what? Let me come up with something that reflects who I am. Uh, and the first one that I created is, was called Curated Fiber Collection, AKA my yarn stash. And I gave her a hairstyle that I'd always wanted to have. And I gave her my favorite color peach and my second favorite color green. And I was like, she kind of represents me. And so that's how it was born. Uh, and I published it on Kindle uh, Direct Publishing. And by that next morning, it was in production and on its way to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was that crazy. Is wild. So, I mean, it, my impression of you as a creator, it seems like you don't kind of do anything halfway. <laughs> I think that's a good, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> I, I, mean, I usually like dive best, in both feet first. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in the best possible way. I like you put your whole self into it and you're like, I am here, I'm in this, I'm doing this, here I am. And it's so fun to watch. Well, your, your Saturday shenanigans are so much fun to watch because yeah, you're, yeah. you're such an animated person. And you, and you're fun, but I just, is that always how it's been for you with creating has always been two feet in. I'm going to dive in, not going to stick a toe in. I'm super curious about that as, as a creator, how that evolution might've happened. Well, I think that just in general, I tend to be like that. I'm a bit of a planner. Um, I like to organize and get things ready, although my space not, may not always look like it, um, <laughs> but I like to be organized. So in work and in my personal life, I would always, you know, find a project and, you know, work up a spreadsheet and, you know, plan it all out and, you know, just dive right into it. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh, spreadsheets, my heart. <laughs> Pat, let me tell you, okay, no judgment, right? But I actually planned a girl's trip with some of my girl, best girlfriends years ago. And I had a whole spreadsheet about like what we're going to do, you know, when we have free time to just chill out and relax, where we were staying, how we were going to get there. I'm laughing so hard over here because we did a family trip to Disney a few, five years ago. And yeah. my sister set up a spreadsheet so that we could do all of the like pre-bought, yeah. like the, the tickets for the rides with right. our fast pass. And she did this 
no joke four months before we went right so i'm like if you're gonna make a spreadsheet you gotta make it early right that's right (laughs) (laughs) and when emily's laughing at me and she was like she was like ha she said spreadsheets because we first started this i'm like and then we need a spreadsheet for this and we need a spreadsheet for this yes and i'm like that hurts my head Yes. But, you know, don't get it twisted. Like I can still be spontaneous, but sometimes I have to plan to be spontaneous. Right. So like, we're going to go on this trip. We're going to go on this vacation, or we're going to start this project, start this idea. And we're just going to see where it goes. Right. So sometimes it's great to be rigid and sometimes it's great to just kind of let things happen. Um, So yeah, I just, I dive in all, all the time. Um, I don't know that I identified myself as a creative person because I grew up with a mother and an aunt and grandmothers who were artists and crafty. And so it was just life. Um, Yeah, so I don't think I identified as a creative person until I had to define what I did to other people. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, you know, wanting people wanting to tell you what you, what do you do? What do you do? Right. And that makes so much sense. That is life because it's just doing the things. I think yes. it's hard as a creator anyway, you know, because like, I mean, talking about that being an artist or being a creative person and like, I went to art school, but it wasn't even until the last few years that when somebody says, what, like, what are you, what do you do? What are you? And I say, I'm an artist. It took me a right. long time to yes. identify that way. And like, I have a piece of paper that even says you, you did this at school <laughs> and I still right. couldn't do it, you know? So, it, and that's, that's just interesting that it, it took you a while too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I use the term crochet artist for a while. I would always say, well, I like to crochet or crochet is my hobby. And I guess I didn't think about it as being a type of artistry. It was just something that I did. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Now I'm bringing up um, your crocheting is your hobby. You also do some designing with crochet. A little bit. <laughs> I, I, I can't do all of the things, although I want to do all of the things all of the time. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't have the opportunity to design like I would like to, um, but I have two shawl patterns that I'm going to finally release this year. And I say finally, because it's been about a year since I started. Well, we'll be sure and writing it. Oh, no, go ahead. (laughs) I was just gonna say, we'll be sure to to ask you to give us those links when they are available. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I I did a, I had a colorway as part of one of my yarn clubs called um, Blue Java Banana. And (laughs) we could talk about the yarn names in a minute. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, there's really like a blue banana. And so the colorway, though, reminded me of the ocean, Um, like, uh, you know, the beach in in the Caribbean. And so I paired it with a a deep, dark blue and uh, white to to mimic the surf and uh, some tan to mimic the sand. And so I called it Day at the Beach Shawl. Uh, and then someone else gave me uh, the idea of, you know, maybe doing something on a waterway or a lake. And then I found, oh, sunset over uh, sunset on the water uh, has some really rich colors. Actually, 
um, visually, it's here behind me and it's usually behind me on the shenanigans, um, but it's got some really deep blues and purples and reds and yellows. So mimicking the sun, you know, setting over a, a lake or a body of water. So yeah, so those are coming. <laughs> They've been coming for a while. Well, I think that a lot of the time people don't realize that you don't just design something, you then have to have people test it and you have to have somebody tech edit it and do all of that stuff. And yes. as Kat already pointed out, you don't do things halfway. <laughs> so, right. And I haven't had time to do all of those things. And so I also get nervous and anxious. Like, I, I think they look pretty cool, but then there's a part of me that's like, oh, if I release this out to the world and they don't like it or it doesn't work right or, you know, ah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's something that you made. It's part of you. Yes. So exactly. it's a little nerve wracking, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to put them out there in the world and see what happens. That is super exciting. So your yarn. Yes. Because that, that was a great, you know, that's an amazing yarn name and you have some really fun yarn names, but you um, dye um, cotton yarn, cellulose fibers. Yes. So ones that are a little bit more friendly for maybe a little bit warmer climate. Um, and there's not a lot of people doing indie dyed cotton yarn. This is true. This is because it's harder to dye. <laughs> I disagree. I think dyeing wool is hard as I don't know what. I <laughs> so, and I tried it. I took a class on wool dyeing and it was very interesting. It, it, behaves a lot differently than cotton. Uh, so I think because I started with cotton, I find that easier. So it's what you, in, in what you gravitate towards because that's what you'd like to work with? I think so, yeah. So I, right, I ended up picking cotton because I love amigurumi. I started making little amigurumi items and I would just go to Michael's or um, AC Moore was my store back in Virginia and just grab some yarn and, you know, start playing with making amigurumi little teddy bears and uh, little mice. And then the loveys that have like the little square, you know, like the little blanket square with the animal head on it um, to donate. And they were fun. But I kept seeing every time I looked for patterns, um, there were a lot on Pinterest and they didn't look as fuzzy as mine. And they just looked crisp and great stitch definition and not a whole lot of halo like well, what in the world what's going on over here like what what are they using what's what's going on and that's when I did some research and figured out oh they're using cotton okay so here in Atlanta I started to research figure out what kind of cotton I went to um, eat sleep knit in Dallas Georgia and it's huge. It's like the Walmart of yarn stores up here. It's huge. And then the craftivists, they had Pima cotton by, you know, a large manufacturer. I'm not going to mention their name, but you guys can probably guess. And I fell in love with the Pima cotton. It's mercerized. It was soft. There was no halo. It gave great stitch definition. Um, when you use single crochet, it's nice and tight and held its shape well. And I fell in love with it. So when I started dying, I'm like, well, if nobody ever likes what I dye, I'll have all the yarn I need to make amigurumi for the rest of my life. So there we go. The ultimate stash. That's right. That's right. I figured, you know, 
I'll just work with what I have. If I never sell a skein or two, and then when it's over, it's over. <laughs> well, clearly that didn't happen. That did not happen. So um, we, we kind of talked about this before we got started, but um, what led you to start dyeing embroidery floss? Because I have a little bit of experience doing it because we made kits for work. Okay. And I was very frustrated with all the little fiddly work of making all the teensy skeins and like, you're doing a beautiful job and not many people do that, you know? So oh, I was curious you. what led you to that. Well, quite honestly, um, the supplier that I used sent an email out and said, hey, we've got embroidery thread. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I looked and there was some that was wool and then there was some that was cotton. And I said, oh, wait, cotton? And it was cupro cotton, which is a recycled cotton. And so I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. And so I just got a pack, you know, and played with it first because before I just tell anybody, I'm going to make sure I could do it well. <laughs> and um, I just, I just, I just started dyeing it. I, I had used some of their, the full skeins of Cupro yarn from my yarn club. And so I figured, well, this is just an itty bitty skein. And that's how I treat it. I put the little skeins on um, the um, shower uh, rings. That's what I use to keep my skeins organized when I die. Um, so I put the little ones on there, just like I do the big skeins. Um, I worked out my formulas to, you know, pare them down. So they were smaller and, um, uh, spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Spreadsheets and formulas. Who knew, right? Who knew? Uh, you're just speaking my love language right now. Yeah. <laughs> For somebody who failed Kim 101 <laughs> in college. And had to take it for a second time. First class I ever failed. Here I am dying and working out how much salt to dye to water ratio, you know, you need. It just needed to give you a better, more fun, practical application for it. Absolutely. Hands-on. Hands-on. Um, but yeah, and so I dye it in the same way I dye my larger skeins, just in a smaller container and uh, dry it the same way. And I use my skein twister to twist them up. So just change the setting and I just put them on there and they twist and I fold them and loop them. And, you know, then we end up with a bunch of skeins. So, yeah. And I, I remember, um, was it last month that you, you asked for suggestions on how to get them into the bags for the sets of <laughs> embroidery floss. Yeah. And wasn't the winner like, um, part of a plastic, um, yes. fold folder. Yes. Yeah. I had, gotten a suggestion from someone to use like a file folder so I guess like the you know like the yellow manila file folders and I didn't have any of those but um I don't know I, I like the plastic ones that dividers for my notebooks so like for school and for the kids and they're more durable um and I have a bunch of them I don't know I have a thing about office supplies too that's another story um <laughs> I'm not allowed and to go to Staples unsupervised yeah yeah even with a list it's difficult it is um, anyway sorry back to the folder no exactly right so I figured okay I, I grabbed one of the um one of the folders one of the dividers the plastic dividers and folded it so that it would fit inside of the bag and then I just put the um I put the the uh embroidery threads in it lay them out nice and neat 
once they're laid out nice and neat, which um, I can't do right now, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I found yeah, the it there. Slide it into the bag and they just, they slide right in and it cut down on so much time and frustration. Yeah. You, know, you that- put one in and it'd be just right. And then the next one would bunch it all up. And yeah. So um, the person that gave me that, I shouted them out on the, on the, on the, the reel. You can go back and find out who they were, uh, gave me a, a true lifesaver. That was awesome. Well, I watched the reel and I was like, mind blown because when I do many sets I'm like and then I'm like ah getting all mad at it so I was just like and it's just it's those little things that just make life better yeah that's gonna be perfect for mini skeins oh Oh, I'm super I'm super stoked about it so thank you thanks to you know our final yeah I'll go work we can totally yeah. find out and do a shout out to them. Yeah. Here too. <laughs> Absolutely. So then I, there was a second one where someone said, well, if you put the little paper that you're putting in the bag on top, can you put it all together and fold it in? I was like, well, that just cut down on a whole nother step. So that video is coming where you see me put the yarn in the folder and put the paper on it, fold it, stick it in the bag, and then you're done. Like, and it's just, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, that goes back to, um, what you were saying earlier about uh like you know maybe i'm sorry i'm stumbling over my words right now (laughs) okay what i was trying to say is it kind of goes back to the whole uh figuring something out all the way kind of thing like but the the time that it takes to do something yes you know so like the pattern designing you know there's all those little in-between steps and I always forget how long packaging takes so that is like life-changing stuff when people it really is it's made a big difference and uh, about community right because I put the question out there and I posted it someone who you know felt like they like what I do and they followed me commented and gave me a better way to do it. And that's one of the things that I love about our fiber community um, is just, you know, pouring into each other and not being scared to share ideas and, and to talk to each other and, you know, um, just, you know, help each other out. So, yeah. Oh, totally. It's, you know, raise the water, we all float. That's right. That's right. And I love that's just being able to have those, um, supportive relationships in our fiber community of really just like you said just putting out there hey I'm trying to figure out how to do this better and someone oh I know how to do that and that was when I started dyeing um uh my linen blend it was one of those where I was like it's really pretty and heathered because I use acid fast dyes and somebody was like oh hey you should be adding salt to that and then you can get your nice consistent color and I'm like oh and there it is Yes, I go through a lot of salt. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, sharing that that that's that's a great tip and it's it it's invaluable because a lot of us have just started this kind of out of thin air, these businesses out of thin air. Um and so we are learning as we go. Yeah, it's really easy to feel like you're creating in a vacuum too, unless you're you're finding that community and um, you know before we we go too much more since we're talking about community did you want to talk about busy showers yeah absolutely um i am developing along with i think we have about six volunteers 
a program for new uh, Black-owned businesses. And so the idea is, okay, think baby shower, but for businesses, right? So for a baby shower, you have the mom who is expecting, you know, a new addition and she needs all of the things to take care of that baby. And so you have family and friends and people who care about her showering her with the gifts that she needs to get started on a new journey, right? So let's put that in business terms. You have a business owner who's starting something new. And those of us that are business owners, our business is our baby, right? We're taking care of it. We're nurturing it. We're trying to grow it, right? Absolutely. And so this is, uh, it's going to be a way for those that love us, care for us, want to see us do well, provide the things that we need at the beginning of the journey, or, you know, not right at the beginning, but, you know, at least after you've, um, you know, secured any business licenses that you need, you know, you get started officially, um, a way to kind of get those things that you need. Uh, And that could be physical things like staplers or copy paper. It could be as serious as a computer or a printer. Uh, It could be, I need uh, accounting advice, you know? Um, So all of those things that you just may not think of, or you, you know, you need them, but you just don't have the startup money. Um, There, there's a a big, uh, and I I can't give statistics because I didn't prepare for that, but there is a difference. (laughs) Um, And a lot of times minority owned and black owned businesses either don't have access to or aren't aware of some of the resources to get their their businesses started. And this is a way that as a fiber community, we can pour into each other. Um, It's not a loan, it's not, you know, um, investors, it's a shower. We're gonna gift people what they need to get started, help them get started. Giving love. Yeah, absolutely. Loving on each other. Yeah. So my, I, my, my hope is that it uh, helps to give people um, the support that they need when they're starting, um, that know that they have community out there to, uh, that they can lean on and talk to. Um, you know, just in my own journey, there's a lot of research that you have to put in to figure out what you're doing, um, especially if it's not something that you either went to school for or you grew up doing, et cetera. And so um, there are lots of times where you can knock on doors and people are, no, I'm not telling you my trade secrets or I'm not, uh, you know, no, why, why would I talk to you? Because you'll, you'll then be in competition with me. And, um, you know, this is, this is a way to, um, you know, just kind of let people know it's not always like that. There are folks that are willing to share, you know, now don't ask me for the brand of dye that I'm using. I'm not going to tell you that, right? There are still boundaries. <laughs> I am not going to ask that. Yeah, but I'll tell you, you know, what type of skein winder I bought or, you know, that I use a skein winder and a skein twister, uh, you know, and and those things. Um, What type of dryer I use to to get the yarn dry and it's not sitting here in all this Georgia heat and humidity for three days trying to dry. You know, those are things that I can tell you that will help you and it's not going to cause any harm to me or my business. Yeah, there's a difference between providing tools versus sharing supplies kind of thing, you know, or suppliers, I should say. Um, So yeah, it it is, 
that is kind of, um, it seems like in a lot of ways, everything that you do is filling a hole that you have found is in something, whether it's, you know, providing for these businesses or dyeing yarn that hardly anybody does or anything, you know, like you, ha you have all these creative solutions for things that, and part of it is because, you know, you are recognizing that you could benefit from it if you'd had it, you know? Yeah. There's a part of me that always feels like I tried to give what I want to receive. Now I don't always do it perfectly. Right. Cause it's not, nobody does. No. Right. But I, I know if I walk into a store, this is the type of experience I would want to have, or I know if I'm looking for this, this is what I would want to see. And, you know, I continue to learn and grow because even though it's something that I may like, or I may want to see, it may not work for all of my clients. So I'm still learning throughout the process as well. Um, but I, I do, I like if there's a problem to come with a solution or come with an idea for a solution um and you know share it learn from it etc so yeah well it's it seems like you instead of getting stuck you've looked for the, the way to either to fix or work around or build or make what you're seeing missing yeah i you know there are a lot of challenges out in the world there are a lot of problems there are a lot of issues there can be a lot of drama lord knows within our fiber community and that's kind of what busy showers was born out of drama right but I, you know, I, I can't wallow in it, right? I can't wallow in the problems and the drama, et cetera. I see them, I acknowledge them. I feel the things that I feel. Um, I get mad, I, I cry, you know, just like everyone else. But then my brain is like, okay, now we got to fix some things. Like, what's next? What do we, we got to fix this? Like, we've got to, what's the solution? You know, it oh, can man. be hard because, you know, I can't fix and save everything. I'm not Superman. I can't fix the world, save the world. Oh, no, you do not have to fix the world. And but I'm not you, trying to. <laughs> no, thank God. Good. Good. Don't put that on yourself. Nobody right. should. <laughs> but sometimes I can see there's a, a hole or need that I can help to fill and why not try? Watching nice. after, after meeting you and kind of watching the busy peach and watching Instagram and everything. And as you started rolling out your yarns and then all the way up to now where you've got your clubs and you've got your um, new idea for the busy showers yes. and for the embroidery floss. And like, how far out do you plan? <laughs> or is that a terrible question? Well, That's the spontaneous part, right? <laughs> there, well, it's both, right? So I'll give you an example. Um, we just concluded the activities around my holiday kit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I started planning that in December of 2020. Uh, it was based on the movie Jingle Jangle. I'd seen it. I fell in love with it. I'm like, I got to do something with yarn with this. And, you know, I, I knew it was going to take time to plan it. And I had an idea of what I wanted to do. And so it did, it took from December of 2020 up until, September, October, when I was ready to start packaging and send it out. So that's something that I planned a year in advance. Um, and I, and I think it went fairly well for that much leeway. Um, but then there are other things that <laughs> I'll get a bug in, or I'll see something and it's like, Oh, let's do this right now. Like, like, like the journal idea. I, I, I thought that it would be great to kind of make my own. 
Um, but until I got the prompt that day, I didn't have a plan for that. But I got that creative sprint prompt and shout out to Noah and Micah Scalin, who are the, the, the founders of the creative sprint. <laughs> and, um, but I got the prompt that day and within hours I had found how to self-publish it, how to do it, wrote out what I wanted on the pages um, and, you know, put it in for publication. I mean, and it was just like, I, 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 I shocked myself, <laughs> to be honest with you. So it really just depends. It depends on what it is. Almost feels like, or sounds like it took on a, a life of its own as you fed it. It did. And I'll tell you, I try to do things. I know I'm taking some risks, but I also try to do it in a way that I'm not going to hurt myself if it, if it fails. <laughs> you know, if the journals didn't work, they're, they're, they're print on demand. So nobody buys them. I don't have a whole, you know, library full of my journals that nobody wants. All right. So I have a, a few on hand and if nobody buys those, I'll gift them. But, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole library full. So I, I, I do things quickly or, you know, sometimes planned out, but I also try to do them in a way that if it doesn't work, I'm not <laughs> going to be destitute afterwards. Hopefully that's, that's smart. That's being a smart businesswoman. Like that's really a smart way to go about things is, you know, you're letting the into, you know, your intuition go, but you're also mm -hmm. looking at it pragmatically. You're saying, okay, if I do this, I can still let this inspiration flow, but it's not going to, if, if the worst that happens is, you know, the idea crashes and burns, that's right. the worst that happens. Right. Right. Exactly. Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Um, you said that um, like you have the two patterns that are going to be coming out, but you've also done some collaborations with some other artists. Yes. Um, I don't have a list of names to give you just yet because we're still working on the order of um, the releases, but I put out a call for designers and uh, the call was answered by quite a few folks. And so there are some pretty snazzy garments that are in the works. Um, I, I wanted to have you know, ideas for people to uh, be able to wear and use and, and make things with my yarn. And I could say, yes, it's been tested, it's been tried, we know it works. Because sometimes, you know, substituting, you know, mm -hmm. cotton, you know, instead of using wool won't always work. Yeah. So I'll get questions like, hey, can I use your, your cotton um, to make a bathing suit? I don't really recommend that because that cotton is going to hold on to that water and it's going to get heavy and it may droop and we may show things that we don't want to show. So <laughs> we right. don't want a, a costume malfunction. Right. So I'm not going to tell you to buy my cotton for that because I would say, hey, there's another product out there that's going to work better for bathing suits. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Well, clearly I was having trouble even asking you questions earlier. So <laughs> it's fine. That's why we edit, right? But the, but the patterns and the designers, um, the, the, this will give people an idea of what they can make with my cotton, with my tencel. And it will give them, um, you know, a, somewhere to go. So not just, okay, I want to buy it. Okay, some people shop like me, right? You see all the colors and the bling and it's like, oh, I gotta have it. I have no idea what I'm going to make with it. Right. So I have a whole stash of yarn that's just there because I like the yarn. But, you know, 
let's say there's some of my customers who actually want to make something with my yarn, <laughs> then I'll, I'll have a way to point them in the direction of certain things. So yes. Yes. Yeah. I definitely uh, have had similar issues, you know, sometimes with my hand spun, you know, somebody will be like, well, but what, you, what can I do with it? Well, make stuff with it. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, I say I've got my pet yarns. Like I've got, a, I used to have a bowl of yarn, of balls of yarn on our, our dining room table oh. until we got cats again. Um, yes. And that's like, that's the personal yarn because they're not allowed in the studio, but like, I have the ones that I'm like, it just looks pretty. It's like a bowl of fruit that never goes bad. That's and right. I can smish it and I can love it. And then it's downstairs and upstairs and both places and all over the house. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. No, 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 no. We have, we have two flights of stairs, one down in the basement, one upstairs and the upstairs one is open. And I came down this morning and there was yarn wrapped around the spools of the upstairs because our hallways open down the stairs down to the basement and my husband goes huh actually saw which cat it was this time and it wasn't my cat this time well they were just yarn bombing (laughs) oh Oh, i thought you were gonna say it was a little person it was the four-legged person it was the kitties it was not one of the kids oh no it was not senior liam no it was loki our adeptly named cat one of our cats (laughs) i guess so well, don't yeah. feel bad. Our cat's name is Loka. So I think we're in the same boat. It's, it's Yeah, I think they'd probably get along real well. So. They probably have a good time. Our whole house would be yarn bomb. That's all right. That's all right. So you primarily crochet. And, yes. um, you know, it's, it's funny because I learned how to crochet before I learned how to do basically anything else. But then it was like, there was this long lull in crochet being in fashion and um what what drew you to it exactly because um I I think that because there wasn't as much available it's always interesting when I meet someone who is primarily a crocheter versus a knitter yeah my one of my grandmothers taught me I I don't remember which because they both were crafty um but you know one of them taught me and they taught me how to I just remember double crocheting and so I would just make scarves here and there And then I put it down, you know, I became a teenager and did those things and went off to college and young adult and, you know, didn't really think about crafting like that. Um, But when I went back to school in my um, late 40s, well, early 40s, late 30s, sometime around then, um, (laughs) I, um, I, I needed a way to decompress after work and studying and, you know, taking care of the kids. And I just, I ended up finding crochet again. I I don't really know how I picked it back up, but I was just like, it let me sit and uh, engage my hands and count and really just not think about all of the other 50 million things that were swirling around me. Um, So yeah, I, I had a big lull between when I learned and became proficient in it. Um, you know, I think just because life happened. And like you said, I think, you know, it just wasn't something where it's like, oh, hey, we're in college and here's the crochet club. You know, it just wasn't a thing. <laughs> so uh, it might be now, but <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't then. I think it might be now. I, I feel like that crochet is kind of having its moment right now. 
Yes. I love the fact that people are making bathing suits and sarongs and dresses and, you know, sweaters, and, you know, and just a little bit of everything. And I'm sure we can go back historically and see people were making some of those things. But mm-hmm. I do feel like, and maybe it's just because I'm immersed in this fiber world as well. Um, but I do feel like it's having a moment, you know, mm-hmm. these top designers are picking up on it. And it's like, yeah, that's cute. But you need to deal with your local crochet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I noticed that even like top patterns on various sites are becoming crochet patterns now, you know, like it used to be, you might get one up there and now it's several. And it's so, it's really cool because like, honestly, because I knew how to do it already, I was looking for good crochet patterns and I could not find any except for vintage books. I was picking up at thrift stores. that were like granny square vests and jumpers and things and I mean that's what's really big right now and it's I kind of do wonder if part of it is because fashions from the 70s and 80s are really becoming Mm -hmm. a little bit like they're kind of really 60s I mean I feel like we're in this weird fashion it's a weird mod podge but right I saw a stretchy velvet the other day Uh uh-huh Oh, I had a student yesterday wearing a corduroy jumpsuit. Oh, there you go. It was cute, (laughs) but I was surprised. (laughs) The, the, the stretchy velvet was not cute. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It was not, it looks super comfortable, but you know, it has feet and it has like the mom pockets and the whole, it was hot. Oh, Lord. It's, it, it's moment has not returned. It's not. No. It's not You're it. trying really hard. Okay. Maybe they just weren't doing it right. I don't know. <laughs> right. But they figured that's, you know, the, the pandemic wear. Okay. You can't yeah. see it because all we see is from, you know, our waist up. So you wouldn't see it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe they look really cute on. I didn't see them on anybody. I did not try them on. But yes, it's, it does feel like there's a weird mishmash going on, but also, oh my gosh, there's so many cute crochet patterns coming out and like really thoughtful patterns that are really showcasing what you can do with crochet. And even sometimes like, I can't believe some of the crochet stitches that look like knit stitches. Yes. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, one of my fiber friends, uh, likes to tease me. She says, well, if you're going to make it look like knit, you should just learn how to knit. <laughs> and she's probably right, but that's just no. not my thing. It's and not as yeah. fast. It's just not. Well, you know, it, I, it's interesting. I really think it just depends on how, what you were exposed to first and what you just mm-hmm. really pick up on. You know, some folks can knit, you know, circles around others and for me, it just feels weird having the working yarn in my palm while you're gripping mm. the needles. And so that's the challenge for me is that it just feels awkward. Um, so I choose to addy right now instead of knit. Oh, uh, hey, I, I've been doing that. I, I cheat a little bit. And not uh, <laughs> totally not cheating because it's a whole nother, it's a whole different skill set is learning how to use the different tools. Yeah. And, and the, the, the next piece that I have to master is how to clean it and not lose the screws and parts and put it back together again properly. So you know those little bitty um like Rubbermaid containers? Yeah. Like lunch containers for dressing? Yeah. Fantastic for that. 
because okay. you can put all the screws as you take it apart. Put the lid on it. Ah, do your cleaning, then reverse. See, look at this, Cat. You're you're saving me now. Listen, <laughs> productivity tips. I love it. Uh, baby food jars, old pill bottles. They all work great for that. Although like the the mermaid's wide, so it doesn't tip over. But you know what? I have one and I just didn't do that. And you know, that's that's the thing about talking to other people is that it's like, yeah, my container that sits under my Addy, I should have just put the screws in there. (laughs) And I think, I think this actually is a holdover from like helping my dad work on stuff in the garage. I, he's right. was the finished carpenter when I was growing up and I would occasionally go to work with them. And so I'm always, I finally asked my husband, he's like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, I want a tool belt because yes. I'm forever putting screws and tacks and paper clips in my pocket. Right. And then I find them in the dryer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder if it came out of the dryer or if you just screwed up again. <laughs> loose. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I sit down and I'll like, ah, there's a tack in that pocket. There you go. Not a great feeling. Not Anywho, a... but between that and both and my husband and his dad, who also work on cars and everything, they're always like, okay, old yogurt containers, set it there, Got put it. the thing thing. And I'm like, I thank you. I will put to use the tools that are at my disposal. Yeah, it's those restoration shows that started making my brain work that way, you know, because that's what they do. They pull things apart and they label it and like bag it and everything. Oh, there's the part that I need Ah. to do. The labeling. The labeling is important too. This container of screws from. (laughs) Okay, so I have a question for you guys. Do y'all have label makers? Am I the only one? (laughs) There's one in my house. Oh, okay. That count. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I steal it occasionally yeah. from my husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cat. Okay, cat. Absolutely. <laughs> she had it on hand. Yes. My yes. Mind. yes. Oh, it's okay though. <laughs> um, you know, was there anything else that you uh, wanted to share with us today? You know, we're kind of coming up on time. Yeah, no, I think I think we covered a lot of it. Um, I'm I'm just super excited about the uh, the yarn clubs this year. Uh, I did my first one last year and dove in both feet first again, and now have four. Um, that was that was wow. my question was how many yarn clubs? <laughs> yeah, and so I have um, I have the rose gold yarn club, uh, which is the like the luxury fibers so these are kind of hard to find fibers um the first one for january was a thick and thin cotton pima cotton thick and thin um so it's a bulky cotton and then i've got some little blingy um uh stitch markers that go with it oh nice Um, the peachy yarn club is a one skein and you get some extras. And both of those have the colors of the year featured. So Pantone's color of the year, very peri. My version is called a kebi, which is a fruit. And also um, emerald green, which is, um, uh, did I say Etsy? I meant Pantone color of the year is the very peri. No, you said Pantone. You did. Yeah, I did. Okay, so then Etsy's. Etsy's color of the year is emerald green for this year. Um, and so mine is called um, Bowl de Fruit en Malachite, which is Malachite fruit bowl. Very pretentious. <laughs> okay, I totally just went and Googled that fruit and I'm like, that is so cool looking. 
Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I don't know what to name. Like, there's there are a lot of green fruits, but emerald green. So I was like, well, a malachite fruit bowl, and that's works perfectly. And um, it's fancy. Yeah, and then I have the um, the mini skeins club because to true to my heart, why I started dyeing cotton was for amigurumi, and these are perfect for um, amigurumi artists who need lots of colors, but in little bits. So you don't necessarily need a whole skein of red, uh, depending on what you're making, but you might need a quarter of a skein. So I was going to say, that'd be one big amigurumi in the, so that's, that's an investment in time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And money, you know, but and yeah. Money. And money, and, but I was. Yeah. And then the, uh, the embroidery threads club. So that's just been a lot of fun and, um, I'm enjoying piecing colors together. So using the colors of the year for the January offering and, and some complimentary colors. And then I'm excited about February because it's Black History Month. And so we want to celebrate all things black and brown. And then it's also the month that holds Valentine's Day. That set is still so <laughs> reds and pinks, right? So my set is called Black Love, right? And so it's got some beautiful browns and blacks and pinks and reds so and they oh man it's gorgeous so it's a lot of fun playing in the color and then also trying to find fruit names to match those colors <laughs> <laughs> well there's only so many blue bananas so you have yes. to look the fruit groups if you will yes you should see my pinterest board as i try to find all the obscure colored and named fruits Yes. That's amazing. So how often do your clubs come out? Is it a monthly for each of them? Yes, it is monthly. Um, I just closed out where you could prepay for the year, um, but you still have the monthly option. So you can go ahead and sign up. Uh, if you sign up now, you'll start off with February and you get billed on a recurring basis each month. And so you can do one, two, three, or all four. I have someone that's doing three of them because they have different ideas and plans for you know, the three different things that they'll get. So um, yeah, it's still there. Ah, uh, shoot. I might've just gotten lost on the February embroidery floss. Oh, come, <laughs> on, come on over to the cotton side of things. And those are all on your website, right? They are. Everything is on my website, busypeach.com. Everything is in the market. So that's my shop. You can go to the market and find all of the fruits and berries and enjoy. Awesome. <laughs> Well, we will have all of your contact where people can find you on social media, where they can find you online, um, where they can find all of your lovely colors and your Saturday shenanigans, which I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. watching again. So um, this has been Fiber Variety Hour with Laverne from Busy Peach. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Thank you and be peachy. <laughs> This has been Fiber Variety Hour with Laverne Benton from Busy Peach. If you'd like to find out more about Laverne and her business, Busy Peach, you can check out her show notes or check out busypeach.com. That's bzypeach.com. Thanks so much for listening. Fiber Variety Hour is produced by Emily Wolscheid and Katherine Eldred. Instrumental music written and performed by Katherine Eldred. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash fibervarietyhour for early access and other goodies from Kat and I. Thanks so much for joining us.